lot of layers of clothes. It was cold. That's shirt, <laughs> shirt, <laughs> jacket. It was it was cold. Like, like dude on Men in Black Three. You ever seen that movie? Which one? <laughs> oh, the guy who sees everything. Yeah, all yeah, iterations of time. Uh, Sometimes I'm that wise. If you give me a a a good amount of hydroponic, then I can get that. I'm kidding. Wow, I gotta edit that out. Yeah, nope. Gotta keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, Facebook and page. I photoshopped the table underneath Corey's arm. That's not a real oh, yeah, table. Totally that table. I was wondering where the hell that table came from. Came from Google Images. That's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> Corey leaning on, leaning on tables. It's a real mahogany. I wish you would have photoshopped some swoop bangs on. Aaron doesn't like that picture, but that is a real representation of what I look like on a daily basis. You should have photoshopped some swoop bangs on them. That's what you should have done. (laughs) Anyways, I'm the only one laughing at that. Facebook page. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Welcome to episode 34 of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And as always, host number three, Corey. And today's episode is brought to you by Escrow My Bits. It's fast, super easy, and it only takes three steps. Just register and deposit your Bitcoin. The seller ships the item, the buyer checks the goods, and releases the funds. Super simple. And they offer a Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So yen, euros, USD, wherever you're located, they got you covered. So they currently offer uh, Bitcoin escrow on a chain pegged to a fiat value using Nubits. And if you're unfamiliar with Nubits, it's the world's first stable digital currency. So there's no complex math at the point of sale. You know, they charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So both you guys can take the hurt. Come on, they thought of everything. Your funds are kept in a secure two or three multi-signature transaction where they only hold on to one key and the rest is yours. So Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. We want there to be no excuses. Why not to use escrow? So start the process, go to your website, sign up for their newsletter, and stay up to date. That's escrowmybits.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, like D says, escrow your shit escrow your bits yep i thought of a jingle but i'm like halfway through it's like you need to escrow your shit use escrow my bits and that's as far as i get so. i like it you didn't think of a jingle you started with a jingle <laughs> yep. that's it so I, I made half of a jingle but yeah so basically what cello's saying is if you're a merchant or consumer and you get got by somebody it's your fault because you're a dummy because you should have been using escrow my bits oh yeah so today's guest is uh, a really cool guest uh his name is ryan x charles and uh we'll throw it to the interview in a little bit but i wanted to talk with my co-hosts about what he was trying to do before he got fired i guess i could say i don't know if i could say that um but before he left he he left on his own accord um 
so what he was trying to do is he was trying to decentralize Reddit. And if you're not familiar with how that works, I think what his plan was is that each user would have an, have the Reddit app, which connects to a Reddit P2P network. And each user funds their own app with a small amount of Bitcoin. And in order to download content, the user pays a very, very small amount of Bitcoin uh, to the peers on the network. So you you get money for your own content. Um, but the problem with decentralization, which is how to sanitize the, the participants, since there's no company in the middle that can earn money from advertising to pay the server bills, the people themselves need to earn money to pay their own cost of hosting the system. And using a credit card doesn't work. So, uh, when you guys heard that he was doing this, would you guys have supported a, uh, a decentralized version of Reddit? Uh, that's a tough call for me. That's one of the toughest calls for me currently when it, I mean, to take to, to mirror what's going on with the Bitcoin network is the cost of running a node is keeping me from running a node, you know? So like the, that to me, it'd be the same likeness, the cost of, running a, a decentralized Reddit node uh, would have probably kept me from running a decentralized Reddit node. I wouldn't have. I would have just went on regular Reddit because, you know, there's no telling how to cover the cost of that, you know, which is why every once in a while on the Reddit forums, I'm like, hey, if we could find a way to incentivize the Bitcoin nodes, that would be awesome. I don't think we could do it without doing an extremely hard fork and then essentially changing bitcoin fundamentally but i mean it would help people who want to run nodes so yeah i'd be into it i mean as as content creators it would it benefits us to do to do so uh because we'd be compensated for those who want to get our feed although they can get it from multiple sources but also it 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 kind of we talk about this a little bit in the interview but it filters out the trash because people won't look at garbage content. And so people are paying for something to do something that will never get looked at. So they're essentially paying to produce garbage, which won't get reinforced. And with a deep, with a centralized motive, you can't kind of, you can't filter that out as well. Other than, you know, the, the artificial idea of karma. So, it's it's nice as well as uh, we talk about this as well. The moderation of a decentralization decentralized network isn't tyrannical like we've seen in some of the you know, the Reddit communities. Yeah, that's another thing it could do is prevent what's going on with uh, Thanos in the Bitcoin subreddit. So, is it Thanos or is it Thamos? It's Thamos. Like. T H E Y M O S or T H A N O S. I think it's an M, but I'm now that you've asked me, I'm not sure. So it doesn't really matter. Everyone it's, understands what we're talking it's about. Almost, I actually do know that it's T H E Y M O S, but it's hard to tell the difference between him and Thanos from the Marvel universe because he's that tyrannical. So <laughs> that's why I threw that subtle joke out there. <laughs> but it does prevent those situations, you know, but at the same time, like, are you trying to run a node to support a network? Or are you trying to put your heart and soul into putting content on the interwebs? So to make sure that you can afford your node, I don't know, I guess, uh, I guess I maybe it's, it's not that expensive. And as technology increases, which it will, 
and things become more available and less and less expensive, then it it becomes less expensive to do these things. And people are getting smarter, so the cost of do, you know the, the efficiency of doing of running a node will become easier. And I, I would imagine it'll be the same for Bitcoin in the future. I mean, the idea of the original white paper was that technology will increase. So as we increase the demands to run a node, the technology will catch up with it and keep it around the same, if not better. And that's going to continue to happen. People think that we're going to stay in the current state of technology and it's going to be unfeasible to run a node. That's not what's going to happen. Yeah. It, it almost, it, it almost, if this becomes as valuable as it can be, forces technology to keep up, which gives you an incentive to push technology. I had an idea that we should sponsor some sort of node, uh, unleash the nodes on the world kind of event. Uh, I saw one, people are kind of doing this already. People are trying to uh, essentially create a power line adapter. If you're familiar with those things, how you run Ethernet through your home, um, your home power lines in your house. So you're essentially you plug it into your electrical outlet Word. and it runs an Ethernet cable. And so they're doing a similar idea with an, an adapter that plugs into your outlet and um, runs a Bitcoin node. That's all it does. It's just a standalone Bitcoin node. And so they're trying to kickstart or use some type of effort like that to disperse these and create them that are affordable. So, I mean, the, the people are, are on this idea. Well, that's something I, that's something I could get into. Well, we got to find do some we'll research on that because, I mean, having having a lot of Bitcoin nodes is really important. You know, it, it decreases the propagation time between nodes. It makes the network more robust. And I do believe... Um, I know computer scientists, but I think if you have a more robust network, it allows you to a little more freedom when it comes to doing awesome shit. So that's technically tech. Technically, that's right. Yes, <laughs> that is the technical explanation of networking because I'm a network scientist. So from a from a sociology standpoint, do you guys find it interesting that? I've tried to make sense of dozens of high-profile CEO departures over the years. I always find it interesting when when a CEO leaves or when a when a after they raise fifty million dollars, they let go of all their programmers or they quit or they get worn out. So essentially, he's creating his own project, which he was using Reddit as the back end. So, do you, are you going to use Dat, the Dat platform? Oh yeah, I'll I'm certainly going to give it a go run, and we're going to try it out. I'm interested in all the new technologies that come out with decentralization as the key aspect and I'll give it a run. I want to try it out. Yeah. That's one of those things you have to figure out when trying things. I want to get the CEO and him like reunited and, and get their focus back. And then if it does happen, we should get on the show and then lead with that one song, you know, reunited and it feels so good or would that get um awkward i'm sure we could find some some good stuff yeah we could make it happen for him um i'll I'll definitely use it sometimes sometimes since we started doing this show i feel like i have a duty to use as many things as possible just crypto related just to be that guy so i'll definitely try it out and and see what it's about so we have you know something we could tell the people audience uh if it's if it's good if it's worth it i i for one think it is given uh professor x's past endeavors excuse me 
Ryan X. Charles, so his past endeavors. So, yeah, I wonder what, what Charles Xavier Ryan. No, there's no X Men named Ryan. I don't know Ryan. where I'm going with this. There's got to be an X Men named Ryan. There's an X Men named, you know, Jubilee. So there's got to be at least one named Ryan. No, no. Stanley hates the name Ryan. Sorry. Mm. Damn. Yeah, there's no mutants named like Corey and Joe and Tim. It's all no. like Bandit. Xanister. Xanister. Thanos Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think that uh, the CEO of Reddit. Uh, he said that he was relieved to have the burden off of his shoulders. I don't know if he's going to revisit the space, but I'm glad Charles Xavier is, is uh, doing his passion project. Hey, man, it's a tough space. Social media is tough, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reddit happens to be doing a good job of it. But if anybody knows, I wonder what Tom from MySpace thinks about himself right now. Like, <laughs> Where is that, that guy? That dude's happy as shit. That dude's happy. He's, yeah. he, he did something that, that created... Yeah. The essentially at least contributed vastly to the beginning of uh, social media and Web 2.0. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't. True. He doesn't seem to be like a Winklevi or a Zuckerberg though, where he wants to keep creating or a Sean Parker. He just did something, got super rich, went to an island. You never hear from him again. It's part of his allure. Maybe, or maybe he's he's the dark backhand to a lot of things that we don't know. He's he's gonna make a comeback, guys. I feel it. Everybody's gonna start yeah. getting friend requests from Tom on Facebook, and. <laughs> Like what the? He's gonna start the new Tom dot com. Everybody's gonna be on it. Tom dot com. I mean that. Right, I mean that basically just it has to be done. Tom dot com. It rolls yeah. right off the tongue. Um, that's part of his allure. He disappeared. He's gonna come back. So I had a mind space. It was very emo. So. Let's get into the interview. Oh, yeah. Let's get into that. Right here from this dude. So, you going to introduce Ryan X. Charles, or did we just spend the whole 10 minutes introducing Ryan well, no, X. Charles? I, I, I explained his work, but the, the guy is really interesting. I, w- I was just showing a video to Corey. He did an interview in Tokyo on the 20th of December. All right. Then he talked to us in Thailand, and now he's in, he is in uh, Hyderabad, India. Uh, teaching mm-hmm. coders, and then he, you know, he's got like a house in San Francisco. So the dude is circumnavigating the planet, teaching blockchain. The dude is super interesting. He's got a stogie in his mouth in his Twitter profile picture. <laughs> super cool guy. So he left his job at BitPay, uh, which is the leading Bitcoin payment processing company, to join Reddit. And after four months, he got fired, let go, or whatever. You, you want to saying say. that? I don't think I gotta edit that out probably. No, it's his it's his words. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, after after, <laughs> after uh, four months or something, they they decided you know uh, the, what happened is the CEO left, and then they reformatted their strategy, and they felt like they didn't need to decentralize Reddit anymore, and that was his job. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I do but, know what you're saying? He was he was laid off after being at the company for only four months. So. After the crypto uh, uh, equity project was shelved, uh, the decentralizing Reddit indefinitely delayed. So he decided, hey, I'm just going to do my own thing. And so we talked to him a little bit about that. Um, and we talked to him about, you know, half of it is like his Reddit days. And then uh, half of it is we're looking to the future. So super interesting interview. Let's get into it. Here it is. Well, I'll get us started off. Uh, first off. 
Uh, congratulations on uh, completing the prototype for DAT earlier this month and reaching y'all's uh, prototype milestone. Uh, Reddit, particularly the Bitcoin page, is going through a bit of mutiny with uh, everyone requesting bans and leaving the subreddits and the censorship running rampant. It's becoming kind of tough to assume good faith. Uh, are you, in hindsight, are you pleased with <clears throat> the incorporation of digital assets and the decentralization of Reddit not going into production? Like, how, do, how, how does DAT avoid this type of thing in the future? Yeah. So are you asking about, you know, I mean, there are, there are two different, you know, uh, pieces of drama I can think of that are that are relevant right now. Um, there's there's the this debate in the Bitcoin community about the block size has just divided the community into separate camps. Um, and, you know, it, it clearly like if, if Bitcoin were a company um, under, you know, a, a situation like this, this is where, you know, the, the board or the CEO would basically make a decision the the, the, the shareholders would vote. Um, or the CEO would just decide, you know, the answer. Uh, but in the Bitcoin world, since no one's in charge, uh, when there's a contentious issue like this, the whole space has just become very divided, uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, I mean, I think it'll be resolved, uh, but, you know, it, it created a bunch of just just bad in the space. Uh, everyone that used to get along, now, now people are not getting along anymore because of, you know, uh, 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 this this emotional disagreement that people have. So that's one thing. And the other thing that happened at Reddit, um, where there is, you know, uh, all this other drama. Uh, when I say Reddit, I mean Reddit, the company, not just the community. Uh, starting maybe maybe roughly the middle of 2014 until roughly the middle of 2015, um, there was there was a whole bunch of just separate issues going on at Reddit, the company. Um, and so. Uh, uh, you know, they, they had two CEOs uh, left the company during that period of time, uh, and the community was sort of in an uproar over decisions made by the company. So it's it's interesting to compare and contrast, you know, what what happens in the in the Bitcoin world with what happened at Reddit. Um, in both cases, there was a lot of like just drama where you know something would happen that that infuriated some fraction of people. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, I mean, I, I have so much to say about all this stuff. I wouldn't even know where to begin. But uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'll just I'll, I'll 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 stop there. I'll let you guys ask. You know, what what, what would you like to discuss more? The so how does how does that avoid this massive censorship that's that we're, that we're currently seeing going on in, on Reddit? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So first of all, you know. To follow up on the, the block size debate, um, uh, some people believe very passionately in their stance. So the the guy that is the is the main moderator of r slash Bitcoin, Bitcoin subreddit, his name mm-hmm. is Thamo. At least that's yep. his, his that's his handle. handle. I have no idea what his real name is, although he's been in the Bitcoin community since the early days. I mean, he's been around forever. He he manage uh, he he manages. He, he originally managed and still does manage the Bitcoin Talk forum, um, as well as the r slash Bitcoin subreddit. Well, he strongly opposes um, what him and, and some other people who agree with him consider a contentious hard fork. And he so passionately believes this uh, that when anybody basically brings up 
increasing the block size through a hard fork, um, they are censored on r slash Bitcoin. So people can't post about, you know, any other projects that are trying to increase the block size because Thamos so strongly disagrees that, that the block size should be increased uh, without, I don't know, without his approval. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the way DAT avoids this is, I mean, so DAT is not, uh, uh, it, it's not centralized like Reddit for one. So Reddit, the company, um, you know, they've also, you know, for reasons that have nothing to do with Thamos or Bitcoin, have made decisions recently that infuriated a lot of people. Uh, that couldn't happen with a decentralized communication platform. Uh, and same thing with what Thamos is doing. If, if, if there's no one that controls the channel, um, then, uh, uh, you know, you, you can't censor it. The data is stored in a distributed way. Um, now, there, there's a, a new problem presents itself with, with a decentralized system where there's no one in charge, which is it'll probably be flooded with spam and, and just bad content. So we have to find, you know, different ways to moderate and curate content um, without giving one person, you know, all of the control. Um, so that's exactly the problem that we're trying to solve. We're trying to create something that is a censorship-resistant platform uh, so that, you know, so that, you know when, when you have something to say, you don't have to worry that the person that owns the thing is going to disagree with you and prevent you from saying what it is that you want to say. But at the same time, have uh, curation and moderation tools so that uh, you're not flooded with with spam or with with troll comments or something like that. Uh, so so we're, we're just taking a different approach. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you right, I guess like back in the day, you know, peasants got enough to get by, but one big guy on top got a lot more. So I mean, let's look at a company like Uber. You know, you used to have you know taxi drivers who were lower middle class. And then the taxi station manager who was upper middle class, so Uber comes along and they say, okay, go away, upper middle class guy. All these taxis are now going to work for my mega billion dollar company and let's kick the middle class guy out. Is this, is this pattern essentially repeating itself in industry after industry? Yeah, that's, that's a really funny analogy. I mean, I, I, I think what's going on is here, here's, here, here's how I would describe what has happened. Um, there were a lot of, projects that were completely owned by one or, or a small number of people where the Bitcoin community thought that this was like a community-led project. And those projects are r slash Bitcoin, the Bitcoin subreddit, and Bitcoin.org, uh, which, is, which is just a, you know, it's a domain name with servers and stuff that's controlled by a handful of people. Well, for most of Bitcoin's history, these felt like, you know, like a community you know, um, uh, uh, project, but they never were. They were never something that the community produced. They were produced by some people. And then when those people decided that they wanted, you know, to, they wanted to change the course of, you know, the discussion or, you know, uh, uh, influence things, they made, you know, use of their complete ownership of that, uh, you know, of, of that, uh, uh, you know, platform, uh, to to censor people, um, so I don't even see like I don't even see like a middle class in here at all. I see like the people that own the thing, uh, which which is Thamos in the case of R slash Bitcoin. I'm actually not really sure who controls Bitcoin.org, um, and uh, you know they it, all of a sudden as soon as they start to disagree with most people, you just can see the effects of this. You mm-hmm. can see 
you know, their decisions uh, cause a large number of people to just not be able to say anything because everyone had, had relied on these platforms as though they were being led by the community, even though they never were. Um, so, yeah. That's how so, it, so your your app is essentially pretty much making the existing model obsolete. Uh, your kind of initiative integrated Bitcoin payments as well as massive decentralization of communication. Uh, how is this succeeding where the others have failed? Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, I, cer- certainly I, I hope that, that we're so successful that we make the existing model obsolete. I mean, that's, that's definitely like, you know, uh, 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 it, it, the plan. If, if we, well, yeah, yeah, well, we'll be, uh, uh, if we ever compete with Facebook, I mean, that would be like, you know, that, that, that means we've, we've definitely, you know, uh, done as well as I think we, as we can hope for. Um, but I really do think that, uh, you know, look, I wrote this article last summer where I sketched out the stuff that was going on at Reddit. It, it was independent of the stuff that's going on in the Bitcoin world today, although the issues are just very similar. Like, like it's very uh, frustrating if you are being censored. You know, you, you can feel that. You can feel like, oh, my gosh, like I trusted this platform and now all of a sudden they disagree with me. And so my views are just silenced. So that's very, very frustrating. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, so by, by building something that at a technological level, uh, you know, has the property of censorship resistance, um, it, you know, theoretically uh, will, uh, you know, uh, allow uh, all types of things to go on that are just sort of outside the bounds of, uh, of what happens on a centralized service. The other, uh, the other interesting property of DAT, and I think they're very, very related, because uh, they sound like two different things. Because a lot of people that hear about DAT like the fact that it's decentralized, and a lot of other people that hear about it like the fact that it includes Bitcoin payments. Because we're, we're solving what sounds like two different problems at the same time. One is this decentralization and therefore censorship resistance, and the other one is allowing people to be paid for producing good content by integrating Bitcoin payments. But I think both of these are actually two sides of the same coin. I think if you to really solve one, you have to solve them both. Because if you have a really decentralized system, uh, you have to incentivize the participants to actually run the thing. So that's not just, you know, it's not just people writing content or whatever. It's also the people running the servers and stuff should be paid for what they're doing. Um, so, you know, that, that's where the Bitcoin payments come into the picture. It, it helps incentivize all the participants, the people creating content, the people running nodes, the people moderating content and curating content can be paid. Um, now, the other side of that is that uh, some people don't really care about the decentralized part. They've never been censored before, so they don't, they don't understand the appeal of that. Uh, but they do understand the appeal of creating content and being paid for it. So maybe someone that, you know, writes something... You know, there, there was an article recently about uh, people that would post a video to YouTube and then someone else would repost the same video to Facebook and the video would go, fir- would go viral on Facebook and yet the author, you know, the, orig- the, the person that actually created the video doesn't get any credit or any revenue from that video going viral on Facebook you know, because someone basically just stole it. So people that, that produce original content really get the appeal of being paid for the work that they do. They would love it if like there were there was a platform that let them produce content and let other people buy that content from them 
in a in a peer to peer way. You know, I mean, you could do that today if you got a job at the New York Times or something. But something where it's it's basically just an app that lets you create and view content and page each other for it uh, could could solve that problem of you know basically just letting the 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 little guy, the little content producers that are not necessarily doing it at a professional level, maybe they could if they if they had some success at it. It lets them get paid for their work. So I think those two things go hand in hand. So that's those are the the, the complementary problems you're trying to solve with that are the decentralization and the integrated payments. If I if I may add on to that, I feel like when you whenever you you generalize a form of communication, you get better messages come through as well as shit come through at the same time. <laughs> and by incentivizing the people with good messages, you almost intrinsically filter out the shit. Yeah. Is, is that is that is that a kind of a happy benefit of incorporating payments to people to things that people like is that you're kind of filtering out the things people don't want to hear or absolutely it's it's not necessarily censorship but it's it's reinforcing the things that are good that's exactly right and i don't think that's censorship that's that's just content curation is what that is yeah that's a better way of saying that (laughs) imagine the, the point of view of someone viewing content Someone who's just, and this would be like most users. Most users, I think, of most social media apps view a lot more content than they post. Most people are, you know, passive viewers usually than creators. Well, from their point of view, you know, they're trying to get good content. So if, if, if anybody can just post anything and there's, there's no censorship, you know, it sounds like it would be flooded with crap, as you said, which, which, is, which is true in a lot of cases. Like, you know, Usenet, for example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you... Uh, uh, used to be really useful when it was only like academics and people that like had to be, you know, you, you had to go way out of your way to get internet access to be able to browse Usenet. Mm-hmm. And for a while, many years, Usenet had really, really good content, really high quality content. But then as the internet became more popular, uh, it became really easy for people to get on Usenet. And so a lot of people that didn't really understand or care about, you know, the quality of content there would basically just post spam and eventually Usenet just became absolutely flooded with, with worthless material so that, you know, it's basically just useless. I mean, like, the, I, I, I don't think there's any good use of Usenet anymore. I think it still exists. I think it's just something to do with the original uh, Usenet because it became absolutely flooded with, with just crack. Well, uh, payments, absolutely, as you just said, like, this is a, a key way to solve this problem. Um, if, if pe- for one thing, if people are incentivized to produce good content, um, you know, th- you have a reason to not post crap. Like if you go out of your way to produce a quality message, not only will more people see it, but you'll actually get paid for it. So like you're just wasting your time to post crap because, you know, no one's going to see it and you're not going to be paid anything. So you're incentivized to create better content. So yeah, the payments are, are, uh, 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 I think a very important missing element. Like the internet just didn't have this before. Uh, but with Bitcoin, it's now possible uh, to to properly incentivize the participants in a network like this, so that you want to create good content. So that that's the theory. I mean, like it hasn't really been put into practice yet, but that's exactly what we're trying to do uh, to incentivize all the different people, the people viewing, the people creating content, the people moderating, curating, and hosting the content uh, to do a good job because it's profitable. You know, they actually get paid for doing it. So there's something that I thought about a while ago when it comes to 
paying people for their content. Could could there be a scenario hypothetically where you could actually get priced out of good content? Like, what if you, you know, on this decentralized network where people are incentivized to put good content up? What if their content gets so good and so popular that they just say, "Hey, if you want to watch my eight minute video, you're going to pay me half a bitcoin for it. So go for it." Is that is that a scenario that could happen? Saying that you know someone who doesn't have a lot of money would not be able to afford it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, what if, I mean, we, they create this awesome, you know, there's this incentive to post good content, but what if somebody's content so good and he or she starts charging ridiculous amounts to, to view the content? I, I think that's possible. So that's, you know, you, you, that, that absolutely could happen. You know, uh, uh, that, that sort of happens today already. Like there are like a, like for instance, um, uh, I, I've never bothered to subscribe to the Financial Times. The Financial Times yeah. charges um, – now, maybe one day I'll, I'll finally sign up for the Financial Times. I mean, people link me to it all the time. So it must have really good content. I mean, it's, it's rare that I've been able to article just because I haven't bothered to pay yet. Maybe I will pay. But, but that's exactly what they're doing. Like the Financial Times creates really high-quality content, and they charge for it. And you, you basically have to make it really difficult to access that content if you're not willing to pay know more than zero now i I don't know how expensive it is it might not not be very much i don't know um but that's exactly what they're doing so that that absolutely would happen on this new decentralized network as well like you know people could could basically and i actually don't know how the pricing models will work yet but i think ultimately the the authors should have the ability to choose how much they want to be paid so if they want to be paid a lot then someone that can't afford it won't be able to see it um so that's uh, it's just it is a property of the system, so it's it's a little bit sad for the people that you know have less money. Um, uh, I mean, I think there'll be plenty of content for people to see, but it, it just is the case that yeah, someone could price something high enough that most people might not be able to see it. Yeah, I guess then simple supply and demand, I guess, would take care of that and competitive pricing, and there you go. So, hey, uh, Ryan, can I ask you one more question of, uh, surrounding Reddit? And I swear I'll, I'll leave the topic alone after that. Um, I was curious if you've if you've spoken to uh, Yi Shan Wong in, since his resignation last year. Yeah, so I, I have not talked with with Yi Shan uh, since before he left Reddit, the company. So I was hired by Reddit in uh, September of 2014, and in uh, I think it was I think it was November of 2014. So that's a little over a year ago now. Uh, he suddenly left the company, um, and like I, he 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 had said he was sick one day. Like he called in sick or something, and and didn't come in. And then he didn't come in for like two weeks, and I just assumed he was uh, sick. But what had been going on in the meantime was he resigned from the company, and you know the board knew, and Ellen Powell knew, and you know Alexis Ohanian knew, but most of the rest of the company just didn't know what was going on. Just the CEO just wasn't coming in anymore. Um, and so, that, and so I, the last time I talked to him was before that, was before he left. Uh, after he left, um, uh, I did try sending him, I think I've sent him two emails since he left for different reasons, and he never responded to me. <laughs> so I, I haven't talked to him at all uh, in over a year. Um, there was, uh, I, I did post something on Reddit at some point. Uh, I don't remember quite when. I guess it was last time. I posted something about decentralizing reddit and yishan actually responded on reddit so there's a very interesting uh 
comment by Yishan. I, I have it recorded somewhere, um, the link, where he discussed the project I was working on at Reddit. Um, uh, but you know that that was it was it was a comment on Reddit, uh, so that's the only like interaction I've had with him uh, since he left the company. Oh, I'm I'm secretly hoping you guys you know link back up and and do another groundbreaking project. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know I, I've uh, so right now I'm I'm the only like founder of Dat. Um, I'm the only so I've created a company called Dat Inc. Uh, which is which is you know uh, creating this project, uh, and there are a few other contributors, but no one is like a part of the company like I am. Uh, I would be. I've said this to other people. If, if Yishan happens to hear this, I mean he he hasn't responded to my email, so I'm not gonna hold out hope that this would happen. But if Yishan wanted to join, I mean that would be he would be the ideal partner in, in this project. I mean I, I would be so delighted if Yishan wanted to to, to pick up this project again and join. Uh, I don't think he will just, just given like my impression of what happened was he was just kind of exhausted and it looked like he just retired. Like, I don't think he wants to work based on what I can tell. So I don't uh, think he would. Um, but yeah, that would be, that would be incredible if he wanted to join this project and work on it. And I, I would, I would be so delighted if you were interested in that. Uh, but I, yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing that you've been kind of like pitching for, for people I mean, if you're interested, our, our our third host Corey, he's actually moving to San Fran in January 2017, and we do plan on joining you know him up there to kind of network with a lot of the people that you know we've brought on the podcast. Perhaps we could be some use to you. I mean, we don't have much business or product experience, but we have buttloads of community experience, and uh, yeah. you know we'd love to meet up with you in the next year and buy you a beer. Buttloads, yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> We're professionals, <laughs> buttloads. <laughs> There are uh, so there are there are like I think there are two really hard things about this project. One is the technology, and the other is the community. So I, I'm focused on the, the tech right now because um, it's sort of a prerequisite for everything else. But the community problem is really hard. That is, how do you really build a community? Um, oh, so that, that's tough. And I definitely use help with that. No question. On uh, about San Fran, though. So I do live in San Francisco right now. Uh, but I might leave. I'm, I'm seriously considering leaving um, because I'm bootstrapping and I don't want to raise money until I actually launch the project just because I know I'll get better terms and I, I don't want to uh, – I don't like selling people on an idea. I want to sell people on an actual working product. So I've, I haven't raised money and I'm not trying to raise money soon. Well, that means San Francisco is just really expensive. So I might leave uh, at least – for a little while to like go live somewhere that's a lower cost of living place. And then I may or may not come back. So there are a lot of, uh, you know, basically, uh, um, I, I'm not convinced the U S is, is, is really a good place to do Bitcoin stuff. Um, you know, if I, if I were based in New York, I would have had to have left already. I mean, I couldn't do this in New York, uh, because of the bit license. Um, if, if more popular, like I'll, I'll, when I, when I run dat the app, although the thing is decentralized, It'll it'll still be hosted on a website, so and I think most people will use the website. I will probably have to block New York. Like I can't realistically buy or I couldn't even follow the bit license. Like it, it, it's so onerous. Like I would have to know the people's identities and stuff. It would be completely unrealistic. Um, yeah. So I, I'll probably have to block New York. So if that went nationwide, it would kill my project in the U.S. So I'm I'm really worried about that, and I think the U.S. is. I mean, it's not like it's the only place with onerous financial regulations, 
but it seems to be particularly bad. Um, so the, uh, there are a lot of reasons to live in the Bay Area, uh, but the 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 uh, potentially like fatal financial re- regulations are are very troubling to me, um, and it's also just really expensive. And I, you know, uh, it's nice, <laughs> but it's really expensive. It is. It's literally like if you run the numbers, it. I, I could. I could spend, um, literally like a fifth as much money living in in Panama versus San Francisco. So it's 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 very very. You know, when I'm bootstrapping the company, living somewhere with a lower cost of living is really appealing compared to San Francisco. So anyway, so yeah, so 2017, I may or may not still be in San Francisco. We'll see. Nice. I hope we build that bridge to Yishan. TBP just creating unions at the Bitcoin I, podcast. I, I wish me in touch with Yishan again. That would be really interesting to to revisit everything uh, with Yishan. Awesome. See, that's your question. Oh, oh, that's right. I didn't. Sorry about that. My turn. <laughs> so, although um, so Bitcoin and the blockchain are decentralized and devoid of manipulation, many see a form of centralization rising from the few that have the power to commit changes. Furthermore, there's a lack of pathways for funding development work, which creates conflicts of interest between the developers and the users. Uh, some Bitcoin developers are breaking away and creating alternative digital currencies and forks. Uh, do you agree with that move, or do you think that Bitcoin and decentralization just needs more time to flourish? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think this is uh, – what happened with the Bitcoin core project is exactly the same thing that happened with r slash Bitcoin and Bitcoin.org. Uh, B- Bitcoin core felt like a community project, but the reality is there were five people with commit access, and I think – so Gr- Greg Maxwell, I think, designed – I'm not actually sure who has commit access at the moment. But it's it's not like it's everyone in the community. I mean, it's you know it's like five people. Um, it it never really was a representation of everyone in the community. It's just the people that are developers who early on uh, spent a lot of time trying to you know make improvements to the to the software, and they got commit access. You know, Satoshi originally was the only one, of course, and Satoshi basically handed out the keys and let other people start making commits. Um, and uh, so those people, what has happened now is uh, those people uh, just don't actually represent the Bitcoin community as a whole. Uh, they have their own unique points of view, and they're not really wrong about anything. It's just that, you know, they're not a government, and they, they, don't, they just don't represent the other people. Um, so when, when their interests come into conflict with the rest of the users, well, the rest of the users feel like, well, all of a sudden we've got a problem. Now this problem could you you could have seen this coming a mile away. I mean, like it was it was it's obvious. You know, when you have only a, a tiny fraction of people controlling this project, with with no you know there's no governance, there's no way for people to vote or something like that. Um, that this was this was sort of inevitable. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's not surprising. In any case, um, the reality is you know Bitcoin Core is 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 a uh, private project controlled by a small handful of people and there's, there's nothing wrong with that but that's just the reality like you know m- most people just don't have a say in what goes on with bitcoin core um so yeah i mean uh, in my opinion what should happen now is so i wrote an article called 10 gigabyte blocks 
And the article was basically sketching out the real answer to this is um, Bitcoin Core is is not like the 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 end-all be-all of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Core is just an implementation. It's a very important implementation. It's the one that most people run. But it, it's trivial for someone to fork Bitcoin Core and change the rules or change the whatever, change the features of the software to be something that they agree with. You're not locked into Bitcoin Core. Bitcoin yeah. is a democratic uh, uh, system. You can run whatever rule set you run. You can, you can download the software, change any of the rules – and run whatever you want to run on your computer or on your computers if you if you own many. Um, so it doesn't matter what's in the in the Bitcoin Core software, other than like a lot of people are just lazy and they just run that version. They just run whatever those people say because the core developers have a lot of moral authority. Um, but anyway, the the point is that it, it it is genuinely democratic. Most people just don't bother to have a say. The way you have a say is by running the software yourself, compiling it yourself, and changing the rules in the software to be whatever you feel is appropriate. So in my article, 10 gigabyte uh, blocks, I, I changed the rules. I, I created my own fork of Bitcoin, which I called Ryan X Charles Bitcoin, where I changed one rule. The one rule I changed was I just increased the max block size a little bit. That's all I did. And that's technically a hard forking change, but if you actually run my software, uh, you're not going to go off on a fork. I mean, you're going to be on the same fork as everyone else. All that will happen is um, if a miner were to produce a bigger block, you would stay on whatever the longest chain is. So you would pick the longest chain independently of how large the blocks are. So you, you would go. So if, if someone did produce a larger block uh, that was on the lo on a longer chain, you would basically pick. Uh, the one with more mining power is what you would do, which I think is in my that's that's what I prefer doing, what I want to do, and so that's why my version of Bitcoin does that. That's that's the rule set that I personally agree with. Um, so in my mind, that's the solution here. You know, we need more implementations of Bitcoin. I don't think everyone is going to bother to to fork the software and literally change the software. You know, and, and have a say. They just won't. Most people won't bother to do that. But if you run a company and and you rely on Bitcoin, you know, for your business, um, you should do this. You should you should run the set of rules that you and your company um, find most suitable because that's you know you can do that. Um, and and that makes that makes Bitcoin different than a lot of other systems. Like you can't do that with the Federal Reserve or something. Like if you disagree with their policies, there's nothing you can do. But with Bitcoin, there is something you can do, and you can change the rules that you run on your computers. Hmm. Never thought, never, never thought about it that way. Um, but doesn't that run into problems if everybody's running their own version? How does that work with people accepting Bitcoin? Wouldn't someone's Bitcoin be different than the other person's? Or did I miss that? How different the different versions are. Um, assuming let, let, let's suppose you know I mean the, the big thing in the community right now is what to do about the block size. Um, what would actually happen in practices? I mean, imagine um, uh, a thousand people downloaded Bitcoin Core, and they all changed the software in a slightly different way. They all picked a different max block size, and they all picked something random in somewhere in between one megabyte and ten me megabytes. Now, this would never happen, but you know, this is just a thought experiment. 
Now, let's suppose the miners do the same thing. They download, you know, Bitcoin Core, and they all change the software in a slightly different way. And the only thing they change is what the max block size is. When the miners change that, they will produce blocks, you know, up to up to whatever you know the max block size is. Um, and some users would accept those larger blocks, and some wouldn't. So there would be a fork. Um, there and there might be more than one fork because so, you know there might be a fork where the miners are producing something you know blocks somewhere in between one megabyte and two megabytes. There might be other miners that produce even bigger blocks than that. So there would be a fork. But um, if you're in the camp of people that accepts the larger blocks, you would accept the longest chain independently of how lo- large the blocks are. So if if more mining power is behind the smaller blocks. You're not going to pick the the bigger blocks. You're going to pick the smaller blocks because it has more mining power behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're, even if everybody runs a different set of rules, that actually doesn't mean there there's a a long lasting hard fork of the blockchain. Um, all that you know, if the majority of the mining power still backs the smaller block, which they probably will. Um, then uh, you know you, you'll stay on whatever the longest chain is. So it doesn't just because you run your own version of the software that does not mean that you're creating an altcoin. Uh, you can still send and receive Bitcoin with everybody else in a perfectly compatible way. Um, hmm. And the only case in which uh, uh, you know you would go off on a fork is if the miners, uh, if a majority of miners started mining larger blocks, then the people that uh, limit the block size to one megabyte. They would go off on a different fork at that time. Yeah. Uh, but but the point is that uh, it's it's not like everybody goes off on their own fork. It's it's determined by you know the mining power and the particular choice of rules and whatnot. So most likely you're going to be on the same network as as everyone else if you do that. Okay. I wish somebody would be speaking with that much clarity and uh, less emotion in the Bitcoin subreddit. It'd be pretty awesome. Well, <laughs> we've got just one last question for you, uh, Mr. X. I don't know why I called you that. It's just that large, <laughs> the large X stands out there. Um, one last question for you. It's kind of the toughest. We ask all our guests this question. Hope you're ready. Uh, okay. in, in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin is permissionless internet money. Uh, now, not everyone will understand what that means, of course, but permissionless <laughs> in, in, in my mind, those three, and I, if I have to stop there, I'll stop there because I, I, I'll, I'll go way over my 10 words if I try and explain what I mean by that. <laughs> We're okay. going to go ahead and say that's your succinct answer. Now you can elaborate and tell us what that means. Okay, okay good. So, yeah, permissionless in my Only three words. I did it in just three words. Um, that's pretty good. So what it means uh, First of all, uh, the internet money part of that. Th- this really distinguishes Bitcoin from everything that came before. It's internet native money. It's money that works on the internet. And if you look at, you know, the, what people were doing before Bitcoin, you know, they, they were using credit cards. Credit cards are really crappy on the internet. Um, for one thing, they have no security. It's really easy for someone to steal your credit card information. Um, it's really annoying and irritating to have to type it in. Uh, it makes it it makes your personal information up for grabs. You know how many hundreds of millions of people have had their credit card information stolen? I, I think at this point it's probably like a majority of people that use credit cards have had their credit card information stolen because one of the 
thousands of companies they've used their credit card with got hacked. And so now their personal information has been leaked. So it's extremely, extremely, you know, expensive. Uh, The fees are high. So Bitcoin is, is native to the internet. It it changes everything. It's, it's uh, at a technical level, it's secure. um, And, you know, it's, it's like cash on the internet, uh, which just, you know, just didn't exist before. And then I also, I, I, I really like the word permissionless. And I think that's really important. Um, the fact that Bitcoin is permissionless also distinguishes it from everything else that, that, that came before, at least, at least digitally. I mean, it, it's sort of like, you know, gold is also permissionless. You don't have to have anybody's permission to use gold. Um, or physical cash, you don't have to have anybody's permission for that. The fact that you don't have to sign up for a Bitcoin account makes a really big difference. It really lowers the bar for who can use Bitcoin. Anybody can use it. All you have to have is a computer. And with computers, you know, rapidly decreasing in price and, and rapidly increasing in performance, anybody can use this. I mean, like uh, you, you, with, with like a $5 phone, you could sign, you know, a transaction. Um, so it's it really lowers the bar. It makes it really, really, really easy, at least at a technical level, uh, to use it. Now, there's, uh, there's, there's still is the usability problem of, of how do we make it easy to use uh, for like for people that aren't technical. And I think a lot of companies have made a lot of progress on that. I, I still don't think we're quite there. Um, but I, I think and I think it'll take a long time to make it, you know, really, really easy to use for normal people. But the point is, at a technical level, it's possible because it'll never be the case that you have to like physically go to a bank and, and present like your government I- identity uh, to get a Bitcoin account because you just don't need to. The, the protocol doesn't require that. So yeah, so that's my my you know ten thousand word <laughs> explanation of my three word uh, summary. Permissionless internet. <laughs> I think that's the right way. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the way it should be. Here's three words. Now let me just go ahead and elaborate, elaborate on that one. <laughs> well. Thank you very much, uh, Ryan X. Charles, for stopping by the Bitcoin Podcast. You are free now to get a massage in beautiful Thailand. This <laughs> <laughs> guy's been really fun. Awesome. Well, um, have a good night or day in Thailand. Have a good day. Okay. All right. See you guys. All right. Thank you, easy. And that was the interview with Professor X, Professor Ryan X. Charles. He is not not a professor, uh, but he is a very, very, very well and talented coder. And he is making a decentralized Reddit, a decentralized social media platform where uh, content creators can get paid and censors can kick fucking rocks because of the way he built it. That's the two problems he's trying to solve. You know, he, he wants to make sure that the Thanoses of the universe and their power gloves with their power stones don't get to uh, treat forums uh, like a puppet. You know what I mean? Like they're puppeteer, marionetters. I don't think that's what they're called, but that's what they're called. To, that's what they're called. Nice. That's what I call. And uh, he's trying to prevent that situation and also give people who create content an opportunity to get paid for their efforts. You know, so, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, is parallel to what we do here. I mean, we create content. So, and he's, so we're going to check out DAT. Uh, we, recommend, we recommend you guys check out DAT and support Professor X. I mean, if that's not his nickname, it should be. And that's quite obvious. I'm upset. I'm the only one that keeps saying it. But Yeah, on Twitter, it's uh, at DAT Network. And then the website is DAT.co. D-A-T-T. That's D-A-T-T, dot C-O. yeah. 
So that was Let's uh talk about my next that. Do you wanted to you wanted to talk about a little bit about uh like as a content creator, how you feel about this in general. Yeah, hold on. Let's wait for the construction that Cello's doing. Uh, <laughs> to subside, let's take a break on the jackhammer that's going on in the background. Sorry. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> kids, okay. man. You can't help. Kids, all right, we're good. Kids gonna kid. Um, yeah, so we we create content. I mean, we have the blog. We have, of course, the uh, the podcast that we do. And it would be really awesome if there was like a platform where we could seamlessly get paid for the content that we create. And we're only going to get better at creating it. You know what I'm saying? So for those of you who have been along for the whole ride, a.k.a. Will, shout out Will, it's only going to get better because, you know, we're going to get better at creating this content uh, and, uh, you know, get more samurai skills. But, I mean, it'd be awesome if there was a platform, you know, we didn't have to spend the time you know, researching on our end how to get paid in Bitcoin, especially uh, for our content. Not that it's hard, but it would just be easier and it would be kind of fun. And the possibilities would be endless to how uh, you could get listeners and supporters of the show to uh, help you out in bits. So that that I think is fascinating about that is the opportunity to be and set your own price, if you will. Like, if we want to release some exclusive episodes, we can just say, like, hey, these are exclusive, only going to be paid for in Bitcoin, boom, skadoosh. So, I don't know. That's about it. That's all I want to say. Yeah, we're not going to get paid for our first episode because we sucked. That thing was awful. (laughs) But why are so many people listening to it? (laughs) Because you got to start somewhere. People want to start from the beginning. I mean, that's probably, I don't know. There should be some kind of disclaimer when you download it. We how terrible like it is a, in comparison to where we are now. We sounded like a high school audio video club. And well, that should let the audience know that you can start from anywhere. You can start with nothing. And as time goes on, you get better at it. I mean, we, we didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. And now we kind of don't know what we're doing now. Yeah, we know a little bit more, but still know nothing. But we're getting better. What's crazy though is like we're not hunting down guests anymore. Like we open up our email, and it's like, "Hey, I'm CEO of CEO Land, and I want to be on your show." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow." Let me okay. research him and like, yeah, that sounds good. We'll take you. Yeah, so that's pretty we're cool. That we're not like we're curating content, and we're no longer <laughs> like desperately seeking content. Yeah. Please be on our show, please. I was hanging out on Chief Executive Boulevard, and I noticed. Yeah, <laughs> noticed you but in the paper. It's in a in a so currently Reddit is the way I see it, the modern day newspaper. Right, I wake up and I get a cup of coffee and I sift through Reddit that's customized to my liking, and I read it for a while, and that's how I start my day and get my world news, etc. And it's and it has, I mean, it has less centralization and filters than say watching CNN or whatever main news broadcast you could see to get your news. Right. So you feel like you're getting much more of a real world picture of what's going on. But even though that's true, every subreddit is moderated and you receive the news that you want through the filter of that moderator. And with something like a decentralized version of that, it only makes it more real because you remove that filter, you remove that lens of the moderator and you can then 
get exactly what you want and be happy that it's uh, as real as it can be. And as a content creator, it almost removes the necessity for us to try and gain sponsorships. We essentially sponsor ourselves or those who listen to our podcast automatically sponsor us through listening to our podcast. And Mm -hmm. you can do that through whatever content that you, that you produce. And that's, in my opinion, a good thing. So the people get what they want and you're producing the things that the people who listen to you want. Granted, you can create echo chambers really quickly, but generally that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It, it, uh, Adds that little uh, layer of authenticity right on the top, you know. So, yeah. best wishes for that, and I hope it does take off. I think he said in the interview, he said, uh, you know, if we reach Facebook level, and I was like, dang, you got you got goals. You need some infrastructure for that yeah. one. Cheers to goals, man, because Facebook is, uh, I don't even know how they... They have to just delete data. Like, how are they just oh, getting all oh, They have data warehouses. They have Oof. data warehouses. They have so much the data. amount of infrastructure they have is mesmerizing. But oh, yeah. they started somewhere. They didn't start with all that. They did that because it's the natural growth of what happened to them. As they became bigger and bigger and bigger, they foresaw that coming and grew their infrastructure oh, Zuck. to allow it. Zuck and that's what will happen with anything that it grows. Yeah. What? Zuck needs more credit. If you ask me, he's a, there's he's a lot a more behind Zuckerberg. There's a lot of people behind Facebook that made Facebook work. He's just the face. Yeah. It's really there's random, but I just so happen. What's that? I keep interrupting you, Corey. Go ahead. I'm done. Are you sure? Or are you just making yourself be done? Cause I'm being a dick. I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> um, um, I, I is off topic a little bit, but I saw like he did a little like town hall thing. Zuckerberg did. And one of the things that somebody from the audience told him was uh, she raised her hand and she was like, you know, because of you, Mark Zuckerberg, I've been telling my daughter in high school to date the nerd because that nerd's going to end up being somebody really important. Oh, that was fake, by the way. It was? He, yeah, where he says, well, she needs to be the nerd or whatever. Yeah, yeah that, was he, that was fake. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't reply to people. It looks real. Scripted. <laughs> Son of a bitch, man. The internet is so... <sighs> Fuck Zucker- you, you, internet. You get got so easily. You got just, everything looks so real. I don't click on ads, <laughs> but everything just looks so real. Anyways. Well, he, I think he did do like a town hall Q&A, um, but I don't know if he... You know what? I take that back. That might have been real. I don't know. I think that was the big deal is because he did respond to her and the, he doesn't respond to people... And he said, you know, your daughter doesn't have to date the nerd. She can be the nerd and be the next inventor. And I was like, man, that's a forward-thinking-ass dude. He's always, like, ten steps ahead of the game. But I'm, I'm looking at the Town Hall Q&A, and the only people he's responding to are, like, Ariana Huffington and, like, everyone who has, like, a verified check next to them. Like, he's not, like, Jim Jones isn't like, hey, Facebook's cool. And he's like, thanks. Thanks for your support. Jim Jones is a famous rapper, though. He'd have a check. <laughs> gotcha i forgot about that guy i guess he's not that famous then. but anyways um is cory here yeah he's here nah he's gone cory yeah cory's gone 
Corey has fallen off Brazilian internet, baby. You guys are getting behind the scenes action. Well, we're going to press on without him. It's no big deal. Well, let's um, press on with that outro because it's about that time. Oh, it's that time already? We didn't talk about the things. I mean, that's what. That's why we need to go to two a weeks. Okay. Well, we have some things we need to discuss in the next one, like uh, this Gox Jr. situation that's going on. But anyways, we're going to wrap this up for you guys. I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, Facebook is getting some good organic growth. And if you are listening right now, please take a little bit of time to go over to our Facebook page and like us. And here's the reason why. I figured out a good reason why you should take your time to do this. It's because since we've started this, I've had a good 10 to 12 of my friends that I've never spoken to come to me and ask me as a resource, um, what's going on in Bitcoin? What's this Bitcoin thing about? And And so I spent so much time researching it and and studying it and, and and been in the community for so long i think i could take that burden off of you guys shoulders so if you have friends asking you about bitcoin hey you could just say hey go go here uh these guys do a great job of making it easy to digest uh they have the facebook page the twitter and we interact with all of anyone who wants to reach out to us because we're at that point right now where we can interact with you guys so go to facebook and uh, tell them to like our page, and we, we send out articles, inspirational quotes. We do just random stuff. Is that a toilet? That was a toilet. It sounded like a toilet. All right. And, I don't know what you're talking about. And I redid, <laughs> I redid the graphics to make it seem like we're like a sitcom on TBS. So that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> I look like such a bum, but I don't care. No, you're wearing a lot of layers of clothes. It was cold. That shirt, <laughs> shirt, button-up jacket. It was. It was cold. Like, like dude on Men in Black Three. You ever seen that movie? Which one? <laughs> oh, the guy who sees everything. Yeah. All yeah, iterations of time. Uh, Sometimes I'm that wise. If you give me a a a good amount of hydroponic, then I can get that. I'm kidding. Wow, I gotta edit that out. Yeah, nope. Gotta keep that one. <laughs> um, yeah, and, Facebook and page. I photoshopped a table underneath Corey's arm. That's not a real oh, yeah, table. That table. I was wondering where the hell that table came from. Came from Google Images. That's where it came from. <laughs> Corey leaning on leaning on tables. It's a real mahogany. I wish you would have photoshopped and, and some swoop bangs on. Doesn't like that picture, but that is a real representation of what I look like on a daily basis. You should have photoshopped some swoop bangs on them. That's what you should have done. <laughs> Anyways, I'm the only one laughing at that. Facebook page, uh, the Bitcoin Podcast, uh, also the BitcoinPodcast.com. Uh, Cello seems to be doing some pretty routine updates in there, and we are going to kind of revitalize our blog, I believe. We've got some yeah. plans there. So yeah, some ideas I like. Yeah, and um, what else? Zapchain.com slash Z slash Just Two Guys. Uh, we're getting maybe one new group member a week. And at this rate, you know, there's no telling. The, f- the future is boundless. Uh, and uh, next week we break the internet because Emoji and Heap is going to be on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the challenge is going to be for one of us to not say mm, what you say. I just let go of that idea. <laughs> I know it's so amazing. Just let go. <laughs> it's 
it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. But I think she's wicked awesome for what I've been reading about her. We got something. It's gonna be a real good episode. So tune in, or click in, or app in. However you listen, SoundCloud. You know, we're everywhere. Did, did I miss it? Are we so many places that I'm starting to miss stuff? <laughs> Happy New Year, Aiden. Shout out, Aiden. Happy New Year. <laughs> no, it was a good one. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's uh. That's it. Let's get, let's get out of here. Play the outro. Mm-hmm.